Welcome to episode two of Talk Me to the Movies, where we recap this weekend's Oscars. Kara, do you have anything that you're excited about? Something big that might have happened <laughs> that you've been desiring? As you know, and as you probably already know, we had a big wing for Bong Joon-ho, and I'm very happy. <laughs> buzz buzz, baby. The Bong Hive. The Bong Hive is alive and well. <laughs> we did, we it. did it. <laughs> Yeah, that was so exciting. It's hard to talk about anything else with the Oscars before saying that. It's like, you can't lead up to it. You just gotta... <laughs> Literally, though. And I love that it's, like, going viral. Like, videos of Bong saying he wants to drink all night. It's just... <laughs> everyone's feeling it. I'm really excited. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Were you surprised? What? Oh, gosh. Let, yes. Give me, give, give me a setup. What was your Oscar-watching mm. setup like? It was pretty low-key this time because... We didn't have a party or go to a party, so it was literally just my husband, my dog, and I in the living room with <laughs> and the computers up to watch Twitter to take notes, and my ballot, my Oscar bingo. <laughs> you had the whole setup. Had the whole setup. <laughs> yeah, but just like in terms of being surprised, I I felt like and I don't think about this way too. As the night was unfolding. I got more and more confident. It was just in the air. I feel like I keep saying that, that Parasite was going to win. Or at least that it was building to something. I was like, I just don't feel like 1917 is going to win this, like most people thought was in the bag. I had the same feeling. And I think right after Bong won Best Director, though, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I think that there's literally a shot for him to actually, for Parasite to get Best Picture in... So I was very happy with that. So what about, what else about the programming? What did you think about all the songs? Did you think anything was too much? Did you... I thought you'd like the opening number because they actually <laughs> referenced Midsommar. Yes. <laughs> which I thought was neat. I like that. I've heard a lot of people say that they thought it was unneeded and a little bit lame, but I thought it was actually kind of fun. So Yeah, I did too. I I love Janelle Monae. I, I saw her live once. I was lucky enough to do that at a music festival. So like... I know that she's just, she's a performer, all about the production elements, and she just gets so into everything. So, yeah, I was like, I'm one of those old school people who likes the Oscars that just have a big, loud dance number in the beginning that calls out all the movies of the year. I love that, even though I know a lot of people are like, this is such a waste of time. <laughs> but I totally nerd out over that. So I was into it. And then when she put on that cape, I was like, yep, Janelle Monae is my new main queen. Yes. <laughs> I was really, I, I think that's how I knew it was going to be a good night if they were making a, an homage to Midsommar. Like, I was like, people In the first five this. minutes. In the first five minutes, <laughs> yeah. I, when I first, because before the number even really started, you could see the dancers behind her, and it was like, on either side of her were the Midsommar people, so I was like, what is about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was nothing crazy, but yeah, I was really into that. I liked it. I thought, I liked the fact as far as, like, just the Oscars go, I liked the fact that there was no specific host. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I liked being able to see a whole bunch of famous people throughout the whole night. And then, also, something I've heard people talking about is how they did the acting categories this year. Yes. Yeah. Instead of going from one person to the next, like, and showing each person's film, they, like, made a collection. Or what What would you call it? Like a mon- clip montage. A clip montage. Yes. However, I liked that. But I didn't get the panning over to the person's face nearly as much. So I felt like we would, like, for instance, in the symphony, 
we were more listening to or watching this woman conduct, which I thought that was really neat, but I also didn't get to see... I wanted to see if Randy Newman and his cousin look alike, <laughs> which I didn't get to do that because <laughs> they never panned it over, you know? Right. You're right. Oh, gosh. That's so you couldn't point. see reactions of people. That was my, I think that was like my only complaint, like with how it was produced, like mm-hmm. how the, the show was laid out, but. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. I, the first time they showed one of those montages because I guess Best Supporting Actor was one of the first ones. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I feel like the way they made those clips was super effective, especially the Best Supporting Actress ones. Like, I was literally rolling up with tears because of the way they chose those clips. It had an emotional effect on me. But then, yeah, I, I had a problem with what happened after it because probably at least three times both my husband or I thought that they were just announcing the winner right away. When they, I thought that too. Yeah, we're like, wait, what? Like, and like, oh no, no, they're just now saying the list. That was kind of confusing and caught me off guard. And then, yeah, you do kind of miss that. The, uh, the reaction of yeah. each person. Right. But less, less meme potential with that too. Yeah. <laughs> they need to give the internet some fodder. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool, I thought. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for sure. But I will say my favorite performance of the night was probably Cynthia Erivo. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was so, gosh. I mean, she's a Tony Award winner, and it showed in that moment for sure. Yes. But just that song, like, I I think I had heard it in the context of, you know, the background of things about Harriet. But seeing her perform it, I felt like based on that, that that should have won for sure. The, I know. Who ended up, that's what I was confused about. Who ended up getting it again? Who ended up... Oh, it uh, was Rocket Man. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Of course. I feel like he was just a trump card, so it was kind of a bummer. Because that I'm a big Elton John fan, but that song was not my favorite. Um, I don't even remember it being in the movie, because the movie is all about, you know, the well-known Elton John song. So, yeah. I mean, you can't hate it, but I was yeah. definitely taken by Cynthia's performance. And... I was listening to, actually probably both were, a podcast where they talked about how aside from Bong Joon-ho's wins, that her performance of uh, stand-up, I believe, that that was the most emotional reaction in the crowd. It wasn't so as easy to tell on TV, but from people that were in there, they said that that just really had a huge effect on people, and I was like, that's so cool. Um, Too bad it didn't win, but it was still an awesome moment, and we... We'll be seeing more of her, both song and film-wise. <laughs> I'm going to watch the HBO series that she's in. It's so good. It's, What's, so it's good. called Outsider? The Outsider. The Outsider. Yeah. And I've heard it's a completely different role than what she plays in yeah. Harriet and her past. What is, she, is it? Does it have to do with, like, possession or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> a little. You know, I'm not sure yet. I'm still. It's definitely supernatural, and her character has, like, a direct link to that. She she plays someone who has kind of special abilities and but she's not yeah like you're saying she's not what we think of as like a normal sociable person she plays a really unusual role and I think it really shows her range compared to everything else that she's I mean she's shown her range obviously in the other things she's been in but this is a super subdued different character and it's so good like She's not in the first couple of episodes, but then once she was, I felt like the show got significantly better. So interesting. Definitely would recommend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's something I want to start watching. But 
Okay, so one thing I haven't asked you about yet, even Uh-oh. though we've been sitting next to each other for two days at the office, <laughs> but... We've been saving things up. Yeah. <laughs> Did the win for Parasite and Parasite taking home so many awards, mm-hmm. I know that I was invested, but I know that you were super invested in Greta Gerwig going <laughs> yes. home with the Oscar for oh, Adapted what? Screenplay, and mm-hmm. she did not. It right. went to Jojo Rabbit. Yep. So, I just want to know your thoughts. Like, his <laughs> bong completely, like, shifted your shift of vision, and you're like, okay, it's fine. Like, the Oscars isn't going to be perfect all the time, <laughs> but I'm okay with it, or are you still, are you still mad? Are you mad? <laughs> That's such a great question. Are you mad? Well, mostly I'm just embarrassed about the big tirade I went on the last episode that I was so <laughs> confident in what was going to happen. But but a lot happened between the Oscars in yes. our first episode. Correct. Because two big award shows happened. Yep. And she lost both of those to Taika. And what was so. the name? What are the award shows? There was the BAFTAs and the Writers Guild. And so. he won both of those. Yeah. I think I texted you when I heard that Taika yeah. won the writer's guild, and I was like, ooh, this is not looking good, because if the, the writers are picking a screenplay that isn't Little Women, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but still, I, I had hope. Like, all the red carpets were talking about how she was the front runner, probably because they don't study it as much, <laughs> but I, I let it get a hold of my heart. But yeah, when, when that happened, I was definitely bummed for a little bit. I just, I think if you, if you hear... Um, you know, Jacqueline Duran, the costume designer, when she got up there and spoke about Greta, you can tell just the effect that she had on her cast and crew. And I was like, oh man, it's just it's such a bummer that she can't have that moment of recognition for herself. And I really, I think I was genuinely <laughs> upset for, I was pretty silent for maybe just like 10 minutes. I was like, this is the only time Taika Waititi winning something would break my heart. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm such a huge fan of him. I think he's so funny. And, like, I love, I've never seen a film of his I didn't love. So, if Greta wasn't in the running, I would be stoked. But I'm like, it's just that this time you beat my hero, Taika. I'm sorry, but I'm mad. <laughs> but you know what? In the end, I think Greta's okay, so I'm okay. <laughs> but then, yeah, after that, because that happened pretty early on. So, after that, once the parasite momentum started gaining, and especially by the end, I was like, okay, this was the right thing to happen. This is the overall more important, like, thing that they needed to get right. And so, yeah, when that was all happening, I let it go. It was fine. (laughs) I will say, yeah, I was so happy. I I cried three times in the award show. The first time I cried, I think, was whenever Greta's costume designer won, and Mm -hmm. they panned the camera over to Greta, and Greta and... Noah were both tearing up right. whenever yes. they were giving that speech. And that, like, made me incredibly emotional. Mm-hmm. The second is whenever Laura Dern gave her speech and she called out her parents for, like, oh, yeah. if you're born, it's, you're you're rarely lucky to, like, be born into the family of your heroes. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly what the quote was, but that was really emotional. And yeah. I love that we got to see her mom mm-hmm. right then she's as well. Really yeah, she's yeah. Really so emotional. And then the third time I cried was whenever <laughs> Bong Joon-ho's speech for director, and yeah. he was giving the speech, and then he gives a shout-out, or quotes, um, Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. and everyone gives him the standing ovation in that <laughs> moment, and that was such a powerful mo- moment to me. I loved that moment. That was probably, like, my favorite part of the whole Oscars. I think so, too. I think, like, just... 
I mean, you know, everyone who wins, you kind of expect that they'll at least say that they're humbled by it, or they'll like try to come across still humble, you know, thanking the other nominees and things. But just him attributing to his his love, like why he got into directing to Marty, and then making that full circle with like, and now I'm here, you know, I'm in your company, I won over you, but it's not even like about that. It's it's just the effect he's had on people, and like here's good a good example of that. Like that was. Yeah, that was really cool. And I, I believe his, his humility. Like, I yeah. really think he didn't expect that. And I don't think he did. He looked like, I. part of me was like, did he even know that that was his quote? Because right. <laughs> he didn't really look like he, like, knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah. I thought that moment was really meaningful. And, of course, then he, then Bong Joon-ho says, I'm going to take a Texas chainsaw. A Texas chainsaw. <laughs> So even Texas got a shout out. Yes. At the Oscars, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh my gosh, yeah. And speaking of play shout outs, one of my, this is totally selfish, but one of my other favorite moments was um, when American Factory won Best Documentary. Um, not just because I love that documentary. And since, since we recorded last time, I did see For Sama, and I was going for that in the end for sure. But um, just because I'm from Dayton, and I wrote that um, the director's said that they dedicated the award to the tough, creative, inventive people of Dayton, Ohio. And I was like, hell yeah. I was like, that's so cool. Um, but that's just because I'm from there. <laughs> I think that they had one of the best speeches of the night. I think so, too. It was yeah. a really good speech. And yeah. I thought that was really neat. And it kind of made me want to rewatch that film over again. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I think that's why, you know, it seems like every year there's a cycle where people are leading up to the Oscars, saying things like, oh, you know, do we really need to include the shorts or the documentaries or the documentary shorts? Like, should they kind of be their own facet or their own award show because it's hard to compare them to the features? But I would say when you get moments like that, and, and also with um, the creators of Hair Love, like, similar thing, I often feel like those exception speeches are the most powerful because, like, I don't know, we get blinded by Hollywood and we forget that there's these regular people doing amazing things behind the scenes and sometimes in front of the camera in smaller ways that are just as impactful. So I was like, because I keep hearing a lot of buzz. There's like a new fandom around um, the two production designers from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> because of their speech. Their speech was great. And yeah. I loved like when they got up, I was like, oh my goodness, those two ladies have the same hairstyle. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, wait, those are the production designers. I love them. I thought they were great. I'd like to hear a specific interview with them on it. So that would be interesting. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Maybe we'll have them on someday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking of speeches, I think uh -huh. we should talk about probably two of the most um, decisive speeches of the night. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Joaquin Phoenix's speech and Renee Zellweger's speech? <laughs> Um, so I actually am in the camp that enjoyed Joaquin's speech. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, the, I was like, am I a vegan now? Like, <laughs> I'm not, but, um, sorry to any vegan listeners. Um, I mean, yes, the, the part about the artificial cow insemination felt a bit out of left field, but I feel like despite all the topics he covered in that speech, he seemed very um, intentional and very, it was still cohesive to me. Like, I think he knew what he wanted to say. 
and in the end he got there. Um, I appreciated that he wasn't just on some kind of righteous, like, here's what we need to do to fix Hollywood podium. He basically confessed that he's not been a shining son of Hollywood. He's like, I've made some mistakes. I've been that horrible actor to work with. And I think through processes like what I've been through, I've become better. And I was like, you know what? I'm all for that. I'm all for you. You know, not that he owes me personally an apology. It doesn't affect my life. But I thought it was cool that he was humble about the past and that he's kind of making a public effort to do the right thing in the future. It remains to be seen how he'll follow through, but, and gosh, when he talked about his brother River at the end, I that was scary. Yeah. Cause that I was one of the tears. I haven't really heard him speak about his brother before. Yeah, so it was kind of neat to hear him say that. At the end. And then him kind of start to get emotional, but I will say, I thought the vegan, <laughs> the vegan push was a little intense. It, yeah. it, it kind of felt like he started off really strong like, on a speech, and then he kind of, like, goes into this, like, artificial simulation of cow milk and all this kind of stuff, and it felt like the whole room kind of just, like, seized up, seized up <laughs> and, like, the energy in the room, I know I wasn't in the room, but, like, it felt like the energy in the room just kind of was like, okay, you've been pushing to have vegan meals at all these dinner parties, all these, like, after parties, and at the Oscars, and it's like, okay, we get it, you know, like, I did like how he turned around a speech and started to talk about how he wanted, like you were saying earlier, like, he wanted to apologize to everyone that he may have been kind of an asshole to and about that this industry is also about acceptance and giving people second chances, and I think he was just kind of going back to his I'm Still Here campaign, which is one of his movies in 2010, where he was on a, whose talk show was it he was on that he was kind of... it was David Letterman. Yeah, it was David Letterman that he was just... A total butthole to David Letterman. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I did appreciate him going back there and doing that. Yeah. But but what about Renee Zelliger? I, I didn't, I literally did not know what she was trying to say in her speech. Like, I had zero idea what she was trying to say. Right. I, I got to a point where I was like, did she just say Serena Williams? Like, what? <laughs> she did. She did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's weird. I can't even really remember all of it probably because I was a little bit lost I was like was I multitasking but yeah it didn't work and I felt badly because I can imagine and I'm probably projecting here but it's like you know you've gone through this whole big long award season you've won everything you've had all these speeches and you get to the last one and from emotion or just being like this is my last shot to make an impact you just get in your own head about it. And I feel like that's what happened because also it was fresh in my mind the night before I had watched the Indie Spirit Awards and she won Best Actress there too. And what was her speech like there? It was so great. It was really? very like, it was casual and personable and just like, you know, not very long. And I was like, oh, this is, Renee seems very settled in. She's like, she's got the groove in, you know, she, mm-hmm. she knows how to do the speeches now because she's had to give like 12 of them in the last month. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I don't really know what happened. I felt, yeah, I, I was not a fan, I'll say that. I did kind of feel for her, because I was just like, what's happening right now? But, yeah, I, hopefully, and all like the press aftermath, too, it, it hasn't made her feel less about her win, you know? But it was tough. It was, it was a it tough was follow. Tough. I was like, oh, <laughs> no. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, it is nice to know that even, like, people who are just 
mega famous like she is like have that issue sometimes yeah oh my gosh yeah from a from a rambler myself I yeah I can identify <laughs> like thank you for showing us you're human Renee Zellweger <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> so any other surprises of the night I it's not really a, a straightforward surprise but we talked about spreading the love a lot in our last episode how we thought that was going to happen and it totally did the Irishman was the only one that didn't win, even though, like, yeah, I thought it would get editing or something. I think we knew the acting spots were not going to happen for them. It's kind of a lock for the other winners, but, yeah, Irishman came up empty-handed, and I'm kind of sad for them, kind of not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad in the fact that it's, like, you have all these older men who, like, some of them, like, Joe Pesci and other people are coming out of retirement to make this film and it just gets mm-hmm. zero like I mean it's nominated for many awards so it's like it's getting recognition but it didn't yeah. bring home an award and that kind of surprised me mm-hmm. it makes me wonder like does the academy get together after all the votes have come in and like go through everything to like make sure that everyone's recognized or is it just I don't think how so. it falls yeah. and that's how it is I think it's honestly how it falls because I can definitely remember years when it, the love is spread less than it was this time. Um, like, you know, the front runners even winning most of the technical things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, yeah, you you kind of hope that they'll all get something because <laughs> if you're nominated for Best Picture, it means you tick all the boxes, you yeah. know? Like, your script was great, your visuals were great, your direction. So it is kind of weird when something gets nothing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that fact that he had worked with the same editor, Thelma Schumacher, for so long. So I was glad that you shared that because I had a little investment in that category because I was like, oh, that is cool. That yeah. that happened. Um, it didn't, but yeah, I was like, this is why we talk about this stuff. And yeah. We, and we learn and it makes it more fun to watch. <laughs> I know. It's really interesting because I really thought that the, the Irishman, just because it is kind of this like older... It's a, it's a story geared towards an older population and mm-hmm. a man coming it towards, like, the end of his life and how he's, like, looking back on everything he's done. And so I guess part of me thought that since the Academy does have a lot of older members, it would, like, attach to them more. But I, yeah. part of me wonders if it has to do with it being released on Netflix. Oh, totally could be. I mean, the same thing happened to Marriage Story. Laura Dern won, obviously. Yeah. But I feel like she's got an edge because of who she is in the Hollywood sphere. So it's almost like you can't think of the Netflix having an effect on her alone. But, but yeah, that would make sense because they were both so hyped before they came out and then right after. And then afterwards, it was just, yeah. I will yeah. say that with Netflix films, as when I'm watching them, it doesn't have quite the effect on me as like watching them in the theater. Yeah, that's true. Like whenever I saw Marriage Story originally in the theater, it seemed like this really monumental ex- experience and it kind of made me really emotional. And then whenever I went back to watch it, like on my TV at home on Netflix when it was released, I, w- I still loved it. And I was mm-hmm. mostly going in to watch Laura Dern's speech and like Scarlett Johansson's, spe- like just basically their like th- their monologues in that film. Yeah. Um, but I did notice that I was like, oh, this, when I, and I have a small TV, <laughs> so I'm like, if you have an at-home theater, like, that might be a different <laughs> type of experience, but for me, 
watching The Irishman, I probably would have liked it more if I had seen it in the theater. Yeah. I think that's a good point because in addition to, yeah, being on a big screen, I definitely feel like if you have a large audience with you, there's definitely some people feeding off energy there too. And it would be, it'd be cool because Netflix usually, I think they're required maybe um, to be eligible, but they'll have their movies in theaters for like a week or two before it's streaming just mm-hmm. so they can say they've had it in a theater. Um, but it's, it's for such a short period of time. I feel like I usually miss them. It's like, I normally, it'd be interesting to see if Netflix just did a little test of running streaming at the same time as having it in theaters for a longer amount and just see um, how that changes turnout and perception. Because for me, if it's something that's, and again, I'm in like, the nerd faction of all this, but if it's something that's really hyped about and yeah. has award buzz, even if it was released on Netflix at the same time, I'd probably go see it in theaters if I had more chances to. When I only have the one weekend, it's easier to be like, oh, well, I'm busy, it's on streaming next week, it's fine, you know, just brush it aside, so. And you're like, a good point. I pay $9.99 a month, yes. so I can watch this. <laughs> yeah, I'm paying for it anyway. Yeah, so why would I go pay twelve fifty dollars at Alamo or wherever I'm going to watch it and yeah anyways so right yeah I think it's going to be interesting to see in 2020 kind of how that all unfolds yeah I think if they change anything if it changes anything like how many of the movies that are nominated for best picture how many of those are on streaming services because this year it was only those two it was only um the Irishman and Marriage Story that were stream streaming services. Yeah, but you're right. I always forget the Two Popes wasn't nominated for Best Picture. It was just acting. But even then, it got kind of more love than some of these leading yeah. up to the awards show. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything I was when I was watching some of those montages we talked about earlier? It definitely made me want to go back and watch some of the movies, especially Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All of Brad Pitt's clips in the montage segments were so funny. I forgot how funny that movie was. I I only saw it when it came out in July and kind of forgot about it. And yeah, I thought that was something that was successful. It made me care about these movies kind of again. Did you feel that way about anything? Even not the big features, even the other things. No, yeah, I, I would say definitely on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there was something in me that I knew I was watching a Quentin Tarantino film. Like, I was kind of on the edge of my seat the whole time. Right. Like, if someone's face get, about to get smashed in, or like, <laughs> right. what's about to happen? But, like, <laughs> kind of knowing that a lot of that happens towards the end of the film now, I'm like, I kind of want to go back and really focus on the acting scenes. When I saw Julia Butters on the the pre-show um, Walk the Red Carpet, I don't on E! or whatever, <laughs> whenever I saw her and listen to her interview I was like oh my goodness like she reminds me of this this actor that she plays in <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood cause she yeah. just seems so mature so like dedicated to her work and she had I think you were saying that she designed her outfit with the designer oh, Christian Siriano. Siriano. Yeah. yeah and she I just like love her I think she's really funny yeah she's got a good head on her shoulders yeah she does she seems very <laughs> mature for her age she does <laughs> Okay, not to, like, move this train and go completely back to Parasite conversation, but I do want to just, like, hit on all the awards that Parasite won. So, Bong Joon-ho ended up going home with four Oscars. Woo! 
international feature, which they changed the name of that award this year. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time it's being called international fe- feature instead of foreign language film. Yeah. Which cool. I thought that was cool that he called that out in his speech. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm really, I'm really honored to be taking home this award this year now that it's changing names, which yeah. I thought that was really neat. So cool. It's huge. I think that when he won Best Original Screenplay is when I knew that the tides were changing. The tides were changing. <laughs> and I literally heard a fact the other day that this is the first time since Walt Disney that someone's brought home four Oscars. That is wild. Walt Disney, I mean, that just feels like the olden times. Yeah. This is huge. <laughs> this is, like, crazy insane, especially for, I don't know, just after last year and all, all that went with last year, that a foreign film, that we're making history, that a foreign language or an international feature is winning Best Picture. So... In in hindsight, what do you what do you think this means? Um, and then what do you think for the future? What do you, what what does this mean for the future? Yeah, I think, gosh, it is so. There's so many things that I hope that it means, and we'll know soon enough if this was some uh, kind of a, a track that they'll stay on. But yeah, just like the fact it's never happened before that a foreign language film has won Best Picture, and I just feel like, even within Bong's campaign, but this win especially, I feel like it's helping to tear down that strange, you know, false stigma that people put on foreign language films where, oh, I have to put in more effort to watch it. Um, You know, I can't multitask at the same time because that's what our culture is so used to. And it's just, it is really sad to think about all the great films that, are being missed, um, especially by Americans in this Oscars context, just because people have to read subtitles. I mean, Bong Joon-ho said it the best. He's like, if you can get over that one and a half inch barrier on the bottom of your screen, your world will be opened up to so many more great films. So I don't know. I just hope that this, I think people who aren't even super attuned to the film industry, they know that stat that a foreign language film won Best Picture. Yeah. You know, I think that that hopefully will change some mindsets. And I really hope that this is really displaying the Academy's effort to incorporate more young people, more diverse people into their voting body. Um, I think that there's a long way to go, but um, something like this happening in such a big way, not just in a a weird one-off way where we think giving them just one of the big awards is enough, but just the huge impact this film had, mm-hmm. I think it says a lot for the future of what could happen within the Academy and just with the popularity of foreign films. At least I hope that's what it means. Yeah. No, yeah. I was talking to my friend after it happened, and I was like, this is huge. I was like, is it possible that with these four awards, <laughs> these four Oscars, that the his- like that we solved all the world's problems? Just with the Academy getting, which I know that's, like, insane. There is something about the fact that in this time that we're in, like, so many things are divisive. Like, mm-hmm. our politi- our politics, like, how so many Americans view other cultures. Like, they're, we're so divisive on so many things. And I think this happening is just going to be, I mean, for me, I just started watching foreign 
language films this year and Mm -hmm. it's just this really good reminder that I think we need in this time is that we're all people Mm -hmm. and like Parasite you're going to be able to connect to it even though you're not Korean (laughs) like there's just so many things that you can see yourself in that film and on the bad side or the good side and Mm -hmm. I just think it's kind of humanizing um, and it's it's really exciting for the future that there can just be this harmony, you know, that art can be yeah. something that brings people together, not something that divides us. And I hope that that's kind of how the Academy will be for forevermore, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I love that. That's yeah. so well put. Um, yeah, because of course we can connect to people in different countries. And that's what I, one of the things I love about film is that it can show you that if you let it. Yeah. <laughs> it can open up your mind and give you new experiences. And But the thing is, is it's a real thing. People don't yes. want to watch it because it they have to read. You know, yeah. like it's, yeah. I mean, good friends of mine are, are even kind of like put off by that. But mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. It's It's interesting. It's like movies are a real way that everyday people can interact with real meaningful art and I just I hope the culture shifts towards this inclusion kind of thing so yeah gosh yeah 2020 yeah this time next year it'll be so interesting to see where we are but yeah they the academy has set a new bar for themselves they have (laughs) but but they're not perfect they're still not perfect no no yes they yeah we can't talk about parasites win without talking about the other things that were noticeably absent, you know, it's easy and it's, it doesn't take away from the excitement of Parasite winning and what that means, but the Academy still has just so much to do with diversity, has so much to do with women's representation, with further representation from people from other countries, like there's still work to do without this, that always being allocated to the foreign language film category. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this that will change. This win will change that. But um, there was actually a report published by UCLA. It's this 2020 Hollywood Diversity Report, um, and the results are uh, pretty shameful if you look at it this way. Um, Tell me the details. Anyway, Tell me actually. the details. <laughs> <laughs> so here's just some high level stats. Um, despite you know Parasite um, being a movie from South Korea, this is still the worst year for diversity um, in at least the last four years, which is what they first published, but um, probably in the scheme of things, one of the worst. So in 2017, um, there were 18 black nominees. In 2018, there were 13. In 2019, there were 15. And in 2020, there were five black nominations. And actually, I believe Cynthia Erivo, there's actually only four, Cynthia Erivo, made for two of those nominations oh, for her song. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, you know, despite all the showmanship at the beginning of the show about, like, yes, yes, we know, trying to get ahead of the apologies and um, or trying to get ahead of the backlash and issuing apologies, um, that only means so much if there can't be real deeper change. Things like even Joaquin Phoenix said, people only working on sets that are diverse. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, it's just so, ugh. it's just sad. It's, we're, we're missing insanely important voices um, in the film, in the world of big time film recognition. And it's easy to brush that aside and say, oh, well, like the Oscars don't really mean anything. Like, 
um, it doesn't matter who wins the award. It just, you know, needs to go to the best movie of that year. But it does mean something because the Oscars really do catapult people's careers. Um, and they really um, just, they set a ball rolling that can snowball into something bigger. But if it continues to be that only certain types of people are represented there, it will not change. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one thing, and not on the people of color front, but that's one thing I really liked about Hilder Gonatier. Uh, <laughs> no the, one can say her last name. Who made the score of Joker, and I think that, that I think maybe she had my favorite speech of the night, because I felt like she was using her platform to like speak into young women and how like if you feel the music like go ahead and bring it to life kind of stuff (laughs) and but yeah I completely agree it's it's astonishing that it's getting worse over time yes it's just when you really pay attention it's just yeah it doesn't make any sense and it's left me at least with a takeaway that we can't just sit back and hope it's going to take care of itself yeah like there's got to be some action taken there um, I mentioned the Indie Spirit Awards earlier, but um, it was really cool just watching that in contrast to the Oscars because, you know, they were indie films, but indie films aren't any lesser a film than right. what is, you know, nominated for an Oscar. But it was just so interesting because um, I believe it was the Best Supporting Actress category. I will fact check this. Um, but every single nominee was a person of color. Every really? single one. So this is something it's not like it can't be done yeah it's something that is happening those those voices are just as prevalent it's just there's got to be um some way made and that was that was like the award show i want to be at next time to like a real party the indie spirit awards (laughs) that's that's a little bit more lower profile maybe we could shoot for that next year (laughs) if someone want to extend us an invite that would be great um also look look up lulu wong's um speech farewell one um she, she, did, she accepted the award um, for Best Supporting Actress for Zhao Xu Shen um, for her because she was still in China with the coronavirus. So oh Lu Wong accepted that award, and then her speech for winning Best Feature there was just um, really powerful. And just she spoke to, similar to even at the Oscars, just the people that gave her a chance and made way for women and people from different backgrounds. And it's just, it's like, yeah, this is a living proof. Like, we got to make this happen. So. And that's also what's so upsetting is that it was so in reach for the Oscars yes. to make that happen. This year especially. Yeah. Yes. Like, it was one of the best films of the year, like, hands down. And yeah. just that the fact that it didn't make it is just, like, so mind-blowing to me. Like, I don't understand how that doesn't happen, you know? Like, yeah. that one person didn't speak up. But, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. Definitely. So, we'll be paying attention, Academy. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> so that's should we should we talk about on that note, looking forward and how the academy will change and all the stuff that can happen in twenty twenty. Should we talk about kind of what we're looking forward to? Sure. Upcoming. Yeah. So in twenty twenty, um, I already have a long letterboxed list of movies by release date of everything I'm excited for, and there's still I gotta update it in a big way. Um, you should plug your letterbox account yes, on, the, on the podcast. Follow me at Brenna. I think that's literally my, my screen name on there. Do people say screen name? My my username. It's not 2001. Um, but 
yeah, it's going to be a big year. I mean, it's so funny. It, it, in no time, I've like left 2019 behind and we're on to the next and yeah. already speculating about what the big things are going to be. But um, by the time this airs, hopefully, the trailer for The French Dispatch, which is Wes Anderson's yes. upcoming film, will be released. Um, today is Tuesday. I believe it's supposed to come out on Wednesday. Um, so that is just, I mean, I feel so cliche, but who doesn't love Wes Anderson? It's going to be so great. Um, and I feel like that's obviously going to be a movie that's important in the conversation for the rest of the year. So yeah, the, the nerd in me is already like, what can I latch on to for, yeah. <laughs> for speculating about, you know, what can I get behind? Um, so yeah, I would say the French dispatch is a, is a big one for me. And it's just fresh in the mind because we're getting updates about it faster than some of yeah. these others. <laughs> Mine is not nearly going to be as good of a film, but I'm still going to say You can be just as excited. <laughs> Which I'm also super excited about, The French Dispatch. I love Wes Anderson and excited to see this film. But, like, coming up really recently or something that's out right now that I'm going to try to see this weekend. The movie I'm looking forward to is Come to Daddy. <laughs> It's come to daddy, and the only, it, this is so actually random and out of character for me, but basically it's this film about, um, Elijah Wood actually plays the main character, and he goes to see his dad, who he hasn't seen in a long time, and, um, basically his dad kind of has, like, something going on underground on his, at his house that, I don't know, it's like a murder comedy kind of thing, and I think the only reason I'm excited about it is because I'm going to, like, try to see how far I've come in the past year trying to, like, get myself desensitized to, like, <laughs> more horror films and things that are a little bit more gory, so, yeah, I'm going to see that this weekend. Maybe nice. the next podcast I'll talk about it. Yeah, give us the rundown. <laughs> I will. It looks so interesting. It looks like... A really unique style, which I think is cool. Yeah. And this is going to be a big year for horror, too, so it's a good time to get desensitized. <laughs> we don't advocate for that. <laughs> but I'm a personal horror fan, so I just love it when, when people see them and can talk about them. And Yeah, it's going to be a great year. It's going to be a good year. So thank you so much for listening to our second episode. Um, we have some really great plans for all that's to come in the future. Um, but for our next installment we will be doing a little exercise where we recommend a movie for each other that the other has never seen and then we'll share what we thought about it so um i'm excited yeah me too 